0: Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. Plants and gardens can have an enormous impact on our everyday lives. At PHS, they believe that a seed can be more than a plant and that gardening can be more than a hobby. PHS is working to plant with purpose and help build healthier communities. Learn more about involvement at phs.org impact. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we got a double-barreled question of the week for you this time around cats and kittens. We're going to talk about planting spring bulbs, which it is the season for, what to do if you miss your planting window, and what you may well need to do to protect any summer blooming bulbs you had outside. Well, that's a lot to get done, so let's cut right to your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Beth, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Hi, how are you today?
0: I am just ducky, thanks for asking. Beth, how are you?
1: I'm great, thank you.
0: And where is Beth great?
1: I'm here, uh, I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia, actually. I'm, uh, I'm in
0: Bala Kinwood. Oh, I know Bala Kinwood very well. When I was a rock and roll writer, I used to go there all the time because that's where Capitol Records offices were. They were actually on Bala Avenue.
1: Really? I didn't know that.
0: They were, they, they were not on the main drag. They were on Bala, but it was just a block off the, um, off the main line, the City Line Ave. So, yeah, I know that area very well. I have very fond memories of the crew there at Capitol. They were great. Anyway, what can we do you for?
1: I am, actually, I'm kitty-corner to the Ballot-Kinwood Library, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm a teacher, and I just got this beautiful new classroom. Mm -hmm. The school that I teach in uh, is a converted mansion. It's a small private school, and so I have this beautiful old room with these very deep window ledges, and I want to put lots of plants on the window ledges, Hmm. Um, but... I need plants that can survive when I'm gone over winter break and spring break and long weekends.
0: Um, that's difficult, but not impossible. Now listen, um, have the windows been replaced? Are they the original windows?
1: They've been replaced. It's still, I, I'm sure it will still get cold there in the winter, but they have been replaced.
0: Okay, a couple things you gotta do. You wanna get a thermometer. And uh-huh. and you want to monitor the temperature. Get one of those uh, uh, real fancy ones where it'll tell you what it was at midnight, one o'clock, and everything like that.
2: Okay. And,
0: and um, ask the um, custodians uh, what mm-hmm. will, what will they turn the heat down to um, while the school is unoccupied.
1: Okay.
0: You know, because they don't want the pipes to freeze, but they don't want to waste heat right so what what we're talking about are house plants mm-hmm. strictly house plants um yeah. bu- bulletproof house plants we're talking about oh, wandering jew and mother-in-law's tongue um mm-hmm. you know plants that are you know basically indestructible you can go online and just type in bulletproof house plants and OK, and you'll get a great list. Um, make sure the containers um, have good drainage. I realize because of the windowsills and a classic place, you're going to have to keep saucers under the containers. But yeah. don't, don't let those saucers fill with water. And okay. in the wintertime, you're going to have the urge to water these plants all the time. But in uh-huh. the, in the wintertime, plants don't process water. Um, nearly as much as they do when they're actively growing. Same with food, no food, no food until okay. spring. Um, and have a very light hand with the water. I don't know if you've heard me describe this before, but I want you to learn what the pot feels like when it's soaked and when it's dry. Just rock, okay. rock the pot. Um, when you first put the plants in position, I want you to sit them in a sink until they're totally saturated, and then feel the weight of that pot. Uh Then let it drain, put it in the saucer, and let it get good and dry. And when it's dry, it'll be, you know, maybe three times lighter. it's It's not a hard thing to judge. And when it does get really dry, then water again. But don't water on a schedule. Don't water because the surface of the soil is dry. You want to make sure that the roots of these plants are not constantly sitting in water or they will rot. Okay. It's very easy to bring back a plant that was underwatered. It is very difficult to resurrect a plant that was overwatered to death. Okay. Um and then um in the you know the problem of course is you you could get funky with this stuff in the summertime but the kids aren't there in the summertime. Right. Uh, what are you going to do? You're going to take the plants home in the summertime or yeah. what? Yeah. That's what I'll do. Okay, so that's I'll it. Just, uh,
1: I, I bought a bunch of big clay pots, and I'm. But my original idea was that I wanted to have herbs. I I just love that smell, and I um I have some mint and some lemon verbena, and the lemon verbena just died over a long weekend. Yeah, and so I brought it home, and I'm giving it some TLC. But I I realize that I need heartier stuff.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're good to go with mints. I think you'd be good to go with rosemary. Uh, cl- mm-hmm. Clay pots was a mistake. Uh, really? Oh, I know they look beautiful, but they wick their moisture into the air. Winter air is typically very dry, so yes. it is very difficult for plants in clay pots in the winter to stay evenly watered. I know it is one of the one of the things destroying our planet, but this is a, this is a place where. Um, Plastic pots are far superior. They will need to be watered less often and the water inside them will be stable. What I tell people is I don't like using plastic either. So once you start with it, reuse it until it crumbles into dust. Um, Okay. And if you love- Should I
1: repot, like I have this mint in, it's in clay, should I repot it? You can't
0: hurt mint, yeah. Don't forget to turn the plants. A quarter, yes. a quarter turn every week would be perfect. Start Monday morning by turning each plant a quarter of the way clockwise. And that way the growth will be even and the stress of being near that cold window will be um, evened out. Uh, make sure the windows are clean on both sides. Um, uh-huh. A dirty window can interrupt 50% of the light coming in. and really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A dirty window. uh, You might as well not have any light at all. I
1: never. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense. I had no idea.
0: That's what I get the big money for. You know, (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm here to learn you teachers the right way. You know.
1: Okay. well, you teach me about plants and uh, I can teach you algebra.
0: Oh, God, really? (laughs) Uh, This conversation was going so well before that all right all right well
1: thank you very much
0: and good for you by the way most of the plants we're talking about most of the house plants um, are very good at air purification you can cross reference the list of super hardy house plants with the list of air cleaning plants a gentleman named Wolverton uh, did a study Uh, for NASA years ago uh, because they wanted to have plants inside the spaceships to help clean the air so you f things like philodendron and um am spider plant, uh which are very hardy. Um they also turn out to be very good at cleaning the air.
1: Great. I love that. Of course you do. That's, yeah. Hey, I, I have one other question if you if if that's okay before you go. I
0: will make a judicious decision about it.
1: All right. Um so this lemon verbena. When I first got it, oh, it was gorgeous, Give it up. Pushy, and it smells great. Give it up. Great.
0: Give it up. It's not and, a wintertime plant. It is a beautiful plant, and the leaves, when crushed up, make an excellent mosquito repellent. But once it's dead, it's dead. The most important... Well,
1: it's coming back. It's well, got new growth.
0: Okay, well... I and would, I
1: brought it home.
0: Yeah, keep it home.
1: It's in a window, which yeah. now that you're... I mean, this window I should clean, and I'll do that. Yeah. But, um, like... I put rocks in the bottom
0: for drainage. No. No? No, no, no. These plants, house plants are confined, right? They're already Uh in a limited amount of space. The last thing they need is a bunch of rocks taking up what could have been more soil for them. Okay. You have to make sure the container has good drainage, good drainage holes in the bottom. You may not use solid containers under any circumstances. The plants will die. They will have a horrible death. They will come back and haunt you. They'll be flying around your head when you're deep asleep.
2: Why did you kill us? Oh, we drowned. We drowned. Okay. All right. Yeah. No
0: rocks in the bottom of the pot. Okay. All right. Get back to your students. Teach. I'm Mike McGrath, your host here at You Bet Your Garden, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. That's right, we're out there harvesting, pulling in more produce than we thought possible. So, what are we going to do with it, and what are we going to do after it? That's easy enough if you give us a call at 833-727-9588, and I'll tell you what to do. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that we have reached the proper time to plant spring bulbs like tulips, daffodils, and crocuses in our outdoor beds. But don't go looking for that little lost trowel to plant them with just yet, because we'll be right back with lots of information on bulbs, both spring and summer, and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later, we got bulbs coming out of everywhere. We are going to continue our discussion of spring bulbs, throw in some summer blooming bulbs, and tell you how to avoid the most common mistakes with both. But now, it's time for a couple more of your mistaken phone calls at 833-727-9588. Lori, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Oh hi! Thanks for
3: taking my call.
0: Oh thank you. thank you for making it, Laurie. My mouth not, my mouth is not working. Where are you?
3: Oh, um, I'm in uh, Humboldt County, McKinleyville, California.
0: Oh my goodness! I was in Humboldt County. Um, I'm going to say about four years ago, in um, Arcadia, and.
3: Um, that would be Arcata with a T. Oh, Ar- Arcadia, Arcadia is in Southern California.
0: Oh, okay. No, I was not in Southern California. Oh. I I was in Northern yeah. California.
3: Yeah. Arcata
0: with a T. Oh, see, I was there, and I didn't even know that. Uh, <laughs> I was there to be the uh, the guest speaker at an outdoor rock concert on the Humboldt Bay. And that was a very, oh, wow. yeah, that was a very interesting experience, and no one warned me. That July is the coldest month of the year in that part yeah. of Northern <laughs> California. I think I'm going to California in July, right? T-shirts, sandals.
3: No, I got yeah.
0: frostbite. Oh, uh, right,
3: yeah, yeah. The weather's almost the uh, same, you know, year round here. So,
0: but it is beautiful country. The magnificent trees that those redwood amazing. Yeah. Amazing beaches where the ocean literally crashes into cliffs. it's um it's astounding, right. yeah,
3: yeah, crashes into the redwoods, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, that's how they get watered. What can we do for Laurie in Humboldt County, California?
3: Oh, thank you. Um, I'm hoping that you could clarify um, it's a concern that I had regarding some um that I something that I heard. On one of your recent episodes, I believe that I'll, a caller had called in regarding some help with tick protection. Uh huh. Um, and um, and so I understand that um, that you had suggested to her um, treating uh, her, you know, the getting clothes treated with permethrin. Um, and it just. Um, it just seems to me that um that's kind of a slippery slope um in that um you know it's, the tr- it's just treating the clothes and you're not putting it directly into the environment but one way or the other that chemical um is so highly toxic to bees um our waterways um
0: and cats that
3: and cat yes and cats <laughs> that, my, yes, and my concern is that, um, you know, one way or the other, um, even though it's treated on clothes, it's, it'll get into our waterways, and it's just one more chemical. Um, anyway, I'm going blah blah blah. No, 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 but, you're uh, not.
0: You're making perfect sense, and I understand your concern. This is something I wrestled with when I was the editor of Organic Gardening magazine. Um, we had really a lot of options um, to protect people from mosquitoes without using any kind of chemicals. But when it came to ticks, you know, God was in a bad mood the day he made ticks. I mean, something ticked him off. Uh um, right.
3: Lyme disease is no joke. I it, understand that, too.
0: It is not. And it's not just Lyme disease. It is other, um, I think they're called zoophobic diseases or... Um, but a good friend of mine died from Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever here in Pennsylvania. He was out hunting, got bit by a tick. This was a big, strong guy too. And he he just withered away. So, um, what, what I did, this is probably my only exception, um, to my completely, totally kosher organic rules, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Bill Quarles, um, publishes semi-scientific publications. They, they report on the scientific literature, um, Common Sense Pest Control and the IPM Practitioner. Um, Bill's organization is called the BIRC, the BioIntegral Resource Center. And they're in Berkeley, uh, California. Okay. Um, and Bill has this theory of, quote, common sense pest control. That if there is this one little corner of the environment that so far we have not found an organic answer for and it kills people, um, makes them devastatingly ill for the rest of their life, um, is really a scourge on mankind, you, you know, it's up to you. But Bill would give them the least toxic resource. So, as I studied this, I came up with two weapons. One of them is a product called tick tubes, which you may be familiar with. They're cotton balls soaked with permethrin and shoved into little cardboard tubes that you spread around your uh, landscape. Mice, the prime carriers of the ticks that carry Lyme disease, will take the cotton balls back to their nests And it will not only kill all the ticks on those mice, but it kills all the ticks on any mice that come and go. Um, The Thursday night card game mice, the other mice that may drop off food, whatever. Any mouse that gets near this stuff, um, the ticks fall off them and die. And again, um, the so-called deer tick probably never saw a deer, but it had to spend part of its life on the white-footed field mouse. So there are many efforts underway uh, focusing on controlling mice to prevent Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and other things like this. Yes, permethrin is a synthetic chemical. Now, interestingly enough, it is a synthetic variation of the botanical insecticide um, pyreth- pyrethum um, uh, permethrin. No, permethrin pyrethrum pyrethrum is the one of the oldest organic insecticides, and it is isolated from the leaves of uh, a flower called the chrysanthemum, uh, 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 the, um, the, py, uh, the pyrethrum daisy, which is a form of chrysanthemums. And it, it's been used for untold centuries. People would dry the leaves and then spread them around the garden to kill insects. Now, that's even getting a much... Uh, you know, a totally natural product into the environment. What I like about the uses of permethrin, um, which is the synthetic version, is you never put it on your skin, you never spray it into the environment, and you never really even use it in a situation where bees would be attracted to it. So, I mean, it is... Um, My wife had Lyme disease. It it devastated her. Um, I know people who've had it, you know, just chronically for decades, and, you know, they're still suffering. And then my poor friend Marty, who got the Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So I made the personal choice to contact the Insect Shield people. They're the ones who make the uniforms for the military that are tick protective. And I had them send me a pair of pants and a bunch of pairs of socks. And the only time I have been bitten by a tick in the last 12 years is one beautiful March day where all of a sudden it was sunny and bright, and I wandered out. There's a little stream that runs past my garden. I walk down the stream cleaning out little plastic trash and stuff. And the next day, I'm getting out of the shower, and my wife goes, Did you scratch yourself? And it was one of those nasty little ones that's really hard to get out and everything. Now, luckily, it, it hadn't been attached long enough to do any damage to me. But every other time I would go out, I would stop myself and put on my tick clothes. Now, it might not be for everybody. You can protect yourself with you know, total tick checks. The thing that I worry about, and this has been found many times is people with really long hair. I used to have really long hair, I swear. It, I was sitting on it back in college. This is God punishing me. Uh, but people with really long hair, once the tick gets up above the neckline and into that hair, they're really difficult to find and get rid of. Um, and there is a uh, a medical syndrome called tick paralysis. It was featured actually on um, one of the episodes of House, that great old TV series. And what happens is a a specific type of tick gets a hold of you and feeds without being detected. You can become paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And unless somebody realizes what's going on and pulls the tick off, you're gonna stay paralyzed. But as soon as they find the tick and pull it off, the next day you can walk around again. So these are really evil creatures. If you're gonna do tick checks, especially if you have young girls or even young boys who have really long thick hair, you really gotta you know spend some time in there to make sure the ticks aren't there. Because the good news for people who want to avoid even this limited amount of insecticide use is that you have uh, a good couple of hours even from the time a tick would attach itself to you uh, until it begins exchanging fluids with you. And not all ticks are carriers of disease. So you've got some time, and if you're willing to do perfect tick checks, and, of course, if you have pets, you've got to be really careful with them and make sure they're not bringing any into the house. But you can do it. It's just a question of whether you're responsible enough, which I'm not. I know that. That's why I wear the pants. Um, But you can avoid the permethrin. Um, But this is the big exception in my life. And I I appreciate you bringing it up um, because it is an honest argument. And I've simply come to the conclusion that this is a great way for people to protect themselves I don't like the fact that permethrin is involved, um, but I honestly believe the way it functions, the way it's used, does not affect the environment. Uh, That is my opinion. And the great thing about somebody like me in a show like this, you're welcome to take my advice or leave it. Because, again, perfect tick checks will always protect you.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, And again, you know, I do understand um, Lyme disease is no joke either, you know, so, um, but I I do really appreciate hearing from you. So thank you.
0: Thank you. And please believe, I'm being totally honest, I respect your opinion 100%. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.
0: Good luck, Lori. And don't
2: get bit.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You You take care. Bye-bye.
2: Little box, 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 little box. Little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little
0: bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little
2: bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. Everado, welcome to you bet your garden. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am in Oklahoma City.
0: Okay, very good. I love the listeners there. Love that town. What can we do you for?
2: Well, um, I've had some uh, habanero plants and some herbs like thyme and uh, I can't even think of it, parsley and stuff like that. And I just have four-legged creatures that really love to come up to it, even though I kind of raise the bed and— do my best to try and keep animals away. I was wondering if there's anything that I could possibly, like, add naturally that may deter animals from and insects from possibly getting into my garden.
0: Well, now you're, now you're all over the place. Uh, what kind of animals are we talking about?
2: Dogs, sometimes a cat. I haven't seen any, but I'm thinking maybe rodents.
0: Okay. Um, well, there shouldn't be free-roaming dogs around, or the dogs yours? My dogs are mine. (laughs) Okay. And what, tell me about your garden. Is this just a big flat earth garden?
2: Um, some of them are in pots. Oh, okay. Most of them are in pots, yeah. Uh, I try to keep them elevated so I could, you know, keep them away from my pets and, but there's some cat that likes to walk around and mess with it too.
0: Yeah, um, so first of all, if you've got a cat, um, coming into your garden, Make sure you wear gloves and make sure your tetanus shot is up to date, um, you know, because they're going to use your soil as a litter box and you want to protect yourself against that. Now, gotcha. how how big a garden is it?
2: Um, it's a three by three.
0: Three, three feet then, by three feet? Yeah. OK, so it's just a tiny little thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, is uh, uh, Why not just fence it in? It sounds like it would be um, easy peasy.
2: Yes, sir. You, well, I mean, I do have kind of like chicken wire around it,
0: but nah. cat is chicken wire is I, too chicken wire is too flimsy. Um, mm, when you're dealing with something like this, you want welded wire, um, welded wire. Welded okay. wire. Like uh, they call it turkey wire or rabbit wire. It's much stronger. It has much more integrity than a chicken wire. And okay. um, you know, although for a garden that size, you could even build a little cute little cyclone fence around it with a gate to let you in and everything like that. Um, but you can't you can't have a garden out in the open and pets running around and expect uh, them not to interfere with each other. Now, right. what kind of insect problems are you having?
2: Um, I'm having, like, these little bugs uh, that just eat the leaves away. Of what? Of uh, cilantro... Uh, Most of my herbs that I have in, like, pots, Mm -hmm. and um, usually my dogs don't even mess with them, but I I just can't seem to keep insects away.
0: Oh, well, of course you can't keep insects away. They outnumber us. Uh, (laughs) They outnumber us greatly. So your options are to get a handheld sprayer and just Mm -hmm. go out every morning and give the plants a uh, a good spraying. Not a rinse, I'm talking about pumping it up and really shooting a sharp stream of water, because where you are, it's dry anyway, and these herbs, they would love to get, uh, to get some moisture early in the morning. And doing that alone, you would, uh, you would spray off a lot of insect pests. You can also go to one of the hipper garden centers in your area, and you can get insecticidal soap, Now, insecticidal soap only works if you can see the insects. Do you see the insects? Uh,
2: At times,
0: yeah. Because if you see them and you spray them, they'll die. But if you spray the plant, then they come on the plant, that won't bother them one bit.
2: I appreciate that.
0: Get that fence up. Yes, sir, will do. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and warn everyone who's getting ready to plant tulip bulbs that they are the favorite food of mice, voles, and evil squirrels. So protect them by putting sharp stones in each planting hole and then disguise their scent by spraying a castor oil-based mole and roll repellent on top and then mulch the bed with dog hair. But don't go brushing Bowser just yet because we'll be right back with lots more information about bulbs spring and summer and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later, we got bulbs coming out of everywhere. We are going to continue our discussion of spring bulbs, throw in some summer blooming bulbs, and tell you how to avoid the most common mistakes with both. But now it's time for a couple more of your mistaken phone calls at 833-727-9588. Stan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. Good to be here. It's uh, good to have you here, Stan. Where, Where are you, man? I'm in Decatur, Georgia. I didn't think that was a New York accent I was hearing.
4: Well, that's deep south. I'm from Louisiana originally. Born in Alexandria, lived in Lafayette, as the natives say, for about ten years.
0: Oh, Lafayette, yeah, that's uh that's a that's a hot place. Yeah. Now did you have all those traditions around Mardi Gras with the Indians and the, the second line and everything like that?
4: Uh they had a Mardi Gras in Lafayette. Of course the big one is in New Orleans. Sure. Of course. Uh Monte Gras is a little bit cold, uh, but uh, jazz festival later in New Orleans is uh, uh, more enjoyable uh, because of the weather.
0: Yes, my good friend Dave Heller, who works at WHYY in Philadelphia, uh, goes to that festival every year. He absolutely loves it. All right, so listen, what can we do for you about gardening?
4: Well, we uh, just put in some raised beds. Very good. And we have uh, lots of squirrels. And birds and others who I'm sure would enjoy eating our crop of mustard greens. Um, so we went looking for a low-cost, pesticide-free way to keep them out, and we bought a, a light net to put over over the mustard greens. Right. And a chipmunk got caught in it and then our dogs got the chipmunk.
0: Oh goodness. Yeah. One of the problems, um, I have friends who grow blueberries, they have a whole field of them and the birds drive them crazy. Um and one of the sad one of the sad things is when I'm out picking there, it's not unusual to have to release a bird or to find a butterfly who got tangled up in that stuff. Now yep. uh, you yep. got You've got raised beds, and you're growing stuff that's kind of low to the ground. That's correct. Uh-huh. Okay. and Evil squirrels will do yes. all kinds of damage. But you say the birds are pulling up your greens too?
4: Nothing has gotten out at them yet. We're trying to get out ahead of them, mm-hmm. and we tried the net, and we weren't happy with that. And we're wondering if there's, uh, so on, on the Internet, cayenne pepper and red pepper flakes will recommend and we're wondering if you could tell us if, if that, that's a, the, the pepper is effective, and if it is, how much we should apply.
0: If it is effective, but that's mostly for bird feeders or things like spring bulbs, where the squirrel actually has to dig in the soil, then they get it on their paws and in their eyes and everything. But to protect something like, uh, like greens, you know, they'll be standing in it, but I don't think it, it's gonna have much of an effect on them. Uh, the nice okay. thing is the more the better. I don't know if you have Asian grocery stores near you, but um, if you can find one, you can buy a, a bag of hot peppers, the dried hot peppers the size of a pillow, and grind, grind those up, and you could, just, you could use it to mulch your bed. I mean, the worst it could happen is some of the seeds might be viable and you'd start growing hot peppers, too. <laughs> okay. The, the thing that comes right. to mind first for me is a motion-activated sprinkler. Now, okay. you you have a long season of non-freezing weather, so yeah. this would be good for you 11, maybe even 12 months out of the year. Um, but you hook it up to your garden hose, you put some batteries in the head, and there's an electronic device in that head that senses motion. So as soon as something comes into the garden, it activates the sprinkler, and the sprinkler, which has an impact sprinkler on top, just like a normal impact sprinkler, shoots several cups of cold water at the intruders. It's not only effective, but it's fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know, any time you can make a wet squirrel squirry away, that's, that's a good day, man.
4: I hear you. I there's hear a, you.
0: There's a couple of different um, brands out there. Better Independent Garden Centers may sell them at retail, but of course you can always buy them online as well. And the brand name Orbit, like Orbit Around the Moon or the Earth mm-hmm. or something like that, Um, They're very effective, and they're much more powerful than the older ones that I have. I may be moving up to orbits uh, in my garden because the deer are getting frisky.
4: Okay.
0: Now, your other alternative, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy on the show talking about uh, mosquito prevention, and Mm -hmm. he he was just a great guest, Colin Purrington. I want to have him back on again. But he also showed me, and I think we showed on the air, I know it's on his website, that he built raised beds for himself, but then he created an outdoor room. He got regular screening and some and some boards, and he made it a screened porch with a screen top and gave himself a little door, and that's it, baby. It, everybody goes home. Squirrels can't get in, birds can't get in, um, Rabbits can't get in. It's uh, it's a little bit of work, but then it's once and done. And mm-hmm. if if you if you look him up online, it's Colin One L and Parrington. There are pictures of his outdoor screened porch raised bed, and it looks beautiful. And again, you'd never have to buy another battery or do anything. Just make sure the squirrels don't start eating it. <sighs>
4: That sounds like a good idea, and I've seen that around here, too. People have put those cages around their raised beds. Um, uh, Can I give you advice on mosquitoes real quick? Sure. Man, they were vicious here. We're Mm -hmm. we're backed up to this wooded area that used to be a containment
1: pond.
4: It It had a containment pond, and, man, the mosquitoes are fierce. Yes. We bought a thermocell. We read about it online. And uh, we began using that, and we found that thermocell to be very effective in keeping them away from you.
0: I've heard the name, and I've had one to test. Remind me of what it does.
4: Well, you, uh, let's see. It has a liquid in it, and you turn it on, and it heats it up. It heats it up, yeah. And it it just puts out, it covers the area around you maybe to 10, 15 feet and the mosquitoes stay away. Okay.
0: I'm not sure that that's not um, a chemical insecticide in there, and you don't want to be inhaling um, Mm -hmm. in on long periods of time if it is. Um, I would definitely get some BTI. You've seen the BTI donuts for sale in hardware stores and stuff, Yeah, yeah.
4: Totally
0: totally natural product. Toss one or two of those donuts into your retention pond, and no mosquitoes Uh can breed there for a month. Okay.
4: Well, uh, this area is fenced in, though. It's got like a 12-foot fence around it.
0: What's the matter? You can't toss over
4: the fence? Well, I'm I'm, uh, 72 years old. But I did lock myself in my own backyard just yesterday. It has a six-foot fence, <laughs> and I managed to get over that. <laughs> uh,
0: I, love, I love locking myself out of the house. It's so humiliating. Yeah, but, yeah. I, you know, you can get somebody else to toss it in for you if you can't. Maybe buy a slingshot, you know. I mean, <laughs> brings to mind all these dangerous childhood toys.
4: Yeah, did you ever shoot cherry bombs in a slingshot?
0: I would never admit to it, no.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, man. We're in enough trouble as it is. Stand the man. Down. Good talking to you, Mike. Yeah, down in the south, down in Decatur. You take care, sir. Yes, as promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling spring and summer bulb stories and beer fridge advice. In the fall of 2018, George, near Pottstown, PA, wrote, I bought some bulbs this spring, which I planted in large pots, watered well over the summer, and fed them with organic compost from a bin in my backyard. Now winter is coming and the plants are dying off. In order to prepare for new growth next spring, I was planning to cut off the dead stalks at the base. Is this what I should do, or just leave them to shrivel up and fall off? I'm presuming that the bulbs can be left out in their pots over winter. Well, it's a darn good thing that George sent a picture with his question, because otherwise I'd be scratching my head. Because even though they're called spring bulbs, they have to be planted in the fall to bloom in the spring. And George just said, bulbs. But, the photo revealed that his bulbs were canna lilies, a spectacular example of the so-called summer bulbs that are planted in the spring for dazzling summer display. I use the term so-called because few of these stunners are actually true bulbs. George cannas, for instance, grow from rhizomes. But collectively, this family has always been called summer bulbs. Other prominent members include tuberous begonias, as opposed to the much smaller flowered bedding plant begonias which grow on normal roots, dahlias, true lilies, elephant's ear, and gladiolas. As I hope I advised George back then, almost all of these summer bulbs are tropical plants that have to be heavily protected or dug up and brought inside over the winter in USDA zones that are colder than seven or eight. In my garden, gladiolas are the exception. They come back year after year without help from me. It's something I'm trying to teach the other plants to do. If you're in doubt about your specific bulbs hardiness, ask your local county extension office or search the net, but only trust advice from state extension websites or companies that sell the bulbs. There's some creepy stuff out there, boys and girls. Now, luckily, George is in the catbird seat, as summer bulbs and containers should simply be brought inside, container and all, and then stored in a cool but not freezing spot, and then taken back outside in the spring. You can clip off any dead leaves if you want, but you does not have to. Now, what about summer bulbs growing in the ground? If you're in an in-between climate, like a high USDA Zone 6 or a low 7, Bulbs like cannas have a good chance of surviving if you wait until your first frost and then mulch them with two to four inches of shredded leaves or pine straw. Do not use wood mulch. Otherwise, carefully dig them up again after the first frost and shake some of the doid off, but under no circumstances should you wash them. You can then wrap them in newspaper and store them in a mouse-proof container or place them in the center of a box that you have filled with slightly moist, milled peat moss and or perlite until spring. Again, be sure to keep those miserable mises at bay. We move on. Back in May of this year, Kay in Ashburn, Virginia wrote, I want to move my tulips and daffodils to a different garden, and so I dug them up today. When storing them, do I need to have them all laying flat, or can I put them in a shoebox? To which we responded, did you allow the greenery to turn brown before you dug them up? Kay's response, the tulips were getting droopy, but the daffodils were green and tall. Should I replant them, put them in water? Last year, I let the leaves die down, and then I didn't know where the plants were. Am I a lost cause? You're not a lost cause, Kay. (laughs) <laughs> but your bulbs are. If you want to try and save these specific ones, you can plant them now. There's still plenty of time in your region. But as they sing in guys and dolls, it's a probable 12 to 7 that they will only grow green leaves and no flowers next spring. But if you feed the plants when that greenery is lush and let those greens turn to brown, they might provide blooms the following year. Otherwise, buy replacements now. They'll likely be on super closeout sale and get them in the ground soon. And finally, also back in the spring, Frank in Arlington wrote, I bought a bunch of spring bulbs last fall and didn't plant them. They've been sitting out on my porch. An article I read says I can force them in my fridge or should I just plant them this fall? Well, you might as well plant them outside now, Frank. You got nothing to lose. Forcing is best done in tune with the seasons, so if you missed your planting window or you just want to have some nifty spring bulb fun, fill 12-inch pots with an organic potting soil, plant four or five bulbs in each pot, water them well, and then place the pots in a fruit-free fridge because fruits give off ethylene gas that would cause premature sprouting. You want to do this for a minimum of 12 weeks for daffodils and 16 weeks for tulips. Now, remember, this is a minimum. They can stay in the fridge longer than that. So when spring-like weather arrives, take the containers outside, water them again, and hope you did it right. Well, that sure was some good information about bulbs, spring, and summer, now, wasn't it? Luckily, you can read that article over at your leisure or your leisure, because the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week where? at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to unplug my beer fridge if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time, but you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. If you do email us, please include your location or we'll go down the rabbit hole you'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of all the shows. What do you want? And links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when his great-great-great-great-grandfather swore that his descendants would forever fight pirates by wearing a heavy flannel suit in the jungle. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer normally is cheerful Charlie Sarah, who's taken the day off today. Our social media director who never takes a day off is Amanda Norfleet. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. Oh, working on the show today is Jazzy Jeff Frederick, the esteemed Eric Werner, Zach the Tack Wisniewski, Gentleman John Flynn, and the usual gang of idiots. It's been so long since our beloved CEO, Tim Fallon, was in the building that he doesn't know if his bulbs are spring, summer, or some yet to be named season. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be outside shredding leaves, planting spring bulbs, wondering where my summer bulbs are growing, and just plain soaking up the wonderful weather of autumn until I see you again
4: next week.